When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is Barca Talk Live, the first iteration of Barca Talk Live. Gabriel, how you doing? Man, it's good to finally be here with you in three-dimensional form, my friend. I know. Just the other day, we finally embraced for the first time, and <laughs> I touched your face. And more, and more importantly, you didn't drop me. I did not. I, I would never drop you. If you fall, I will catch you. Rest assured. So, Megan and I are in Barcelona. This is our first time. Well, it's Megan's first time in Barcelona. It's our first time as a couple. And we just got in yesterday. And so, let me tell you, it was, it was two solid days of travel. Because we got up fairly early. We went from Buffalo to Newark. And then we had to spend basically a full day in New York City before we caught a late-night flight out of JFK to come to Barcelona. And, of course, we didn't sleep much on the flight. And then we get to our Airbnb. We get checked in. We took a nap for about 30 minutes. And next thing you know, we're out with you. We're having beers. We're getting some food. And then we're walking to the stadium. And then we're having more beers. <laughs> and more beers. <laughs> and more beers. <laughs> and then we finally go to the game. And by the time we were done last night, by the time we got back, I was, I was in another dimension. I, I felt like I had traveled through another just into uh, a uh, Alice in Wonderland kind of zone. <laughs> How are you feeling now? No, I'm feeling fine, but I'm just really tired. But, you know, towards the end of the night, I thought you were hallucinating. <laughs> yes. Yeah, everyone looked a little swirly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we had a long day. We were walking around. I met up with Jose of the L.A. Pena here, and uh, we walked around all day. And then uh, eventually we met up to have drinks, embrace, and then we went to the match, and we hung out there. And, of course, we got a good result. Uh, the Liga is in our basically back pocket now yeah everyone was singing the song at, at the end of the match i have my own sort of mathematical issues with it but i know that the, re- the reality of the situation is that we're probably gonna win the league at this point yeah and um you know and here we are we're in the marina in barcelona nice day i thought it was gonna be raining today and it's not sun's shining and here we are with arsenal everton fans <laughs> <laughs> right so yeah in the background we have arsenal against everton so we're sort of looking at an older barcelona lineup here we've got andre gomes playing today but we're not going to talk about him we're not mr <laughs> mr wonderful right right mr personality so let's get into it um yeah. i think the first thing that we should talk about is actually the Villarreal match because those of us who are here in the in the venue right now at the red garter in barcelona who are uh, wonderful hosts, I should say. We all, you know, we're thinking about last night, we're thinking about Atletico, but let's, let's not forget the Villarreal match that happened earlier last week. What was it, Tuesday, right? Yeah. And I asked you, was it a good thing that we got those points? 
Well, it, it seems like it would always be a good thing to get the points, right? You always want to get the points, whether it's one point or three points, you want to get points. But I see where you're going with that question, which is maybe it would have been better to get a little shock to the system to lose to Villarreal, who are not having a good year at all. Sure, and also just the unbeaten streak, especially coming up with Champions League. You know, we're kind of cruising right now, especially with last night's performance and also just kind of playing with the sub-team on Tuesday night and getting those points, salvaging those points is awesome. But at the same time, it's good to lose sometimes just to break up the monotony, get the concentration back for, you know, these upcoming tough games, especially on Tuesday against Manchester United. Yeah, and with Manchester United coming, it, it would be better, maybe, to have taken the loss and, you know, have to throw some cold water on your face, get real for a minute, and say, oh, we can't just cruise. We can't just cruise through these competitions. Even, even a, a side like Villarreal can beat us. So we got to be really careful. we got to have our head on a swivel when it comes to Manchester United. Yeah, and, and again, it goes back to the, the whole theme of the season of Valverde driving the Ferrari, right? <laughs> Always stuck in first gear, um, not using... The subs, and we saw that, you know, especially with Umtiti Longley playing together, two left-footed center backs, you know, playing together, and obviously Umtiti is a world-class defender, and he just looked completely lost, like it was his first time playing out there. And again, if Umtiti and Longley had some some form of partnership throughout the season, we're just rotating with PK, then maybe we wouldn't have these defensive lapses. But yeah, it, it was just, you know, we had a sub basically in every part of the field, right? We had Rakitic missing, we had Messi out, and then obviously we had PK out, and it, it showed, but at the same time, I was happy with the lineup just giving those guys a break, and then bringing them on with about, what, 20 minutes left in the game. And even the subs that did come on, you know, uh, Valverde put in Messi, of course, who you know, kind of started the, the turnaround, but it seemed like the timing of his subs was uh, decent, and like you said, I thought the, the, the starting lineup had that rotation in it, it had rest for PK, for Rakitic, for those players, for Messi. And I thought that the timing of the subs was also good to try and, you know, salvage the points but and, you know, bring in the better players, the stronger players. He didn't, he wasn't hasty about it. He still let the, the starting 11 play. You know, he gave them time to see if they could recover. And, of course, you know, by the time the first half ends, we're up to... Because we get up two goals in the first 15 minutes, Villarreal gets one back. So by halftime, it's 2-1, no problems. And suddenly, somehow, in the second half, they score three. And now Valverde's like, oh, I I think I'll make some changes. But it worked out. The timing worked out so that they were pretty normal changes. Like, the timing of them. I mean, we talked about when we were up 2-0, there's no reason why Alba and Sergio Roberto should have been bombing those sides, right? We should have been more conservative, just held the lead, especially going up 2-0 in 15 minutes, right? Um, we should have, that should have been cruise control for sure, but uh, with Alba playing so attacking, going forward all the time, that side was exposed, and especially with Umtiti and Longley having that, you know, bad time together on defense, um, Villarreal hit us really, you know, all the time on the counterattack, and they were able to score three goals. You know, again, Messi with another free kick. He's becoming the best free kick specialist I've ever seen now, because especially with three in a row now. Yeah, three, that was know, three like, free kicks in a row. Again, he keeps padding those stats. Now he, I think he has now 29 free kicks. The next team is Juventus with 27, 26 as a team. Right. In the last five years. I mean, it's incredible. So, again... You know, this is one of the hardest things to do. And we've seen in the last three weeks, he did a chip 
free kick. He did a power free kick, and then he did an accurate one. And again, he just keeps continuing scoring. And now, especially after last night, he's up uh, 40 goals now. You're right, 40 goals. And that free kick in particular, he goes goalkeeper side. He goes away from the wall. He goes on the side the goalkeeper is trying to cover, and he still gets it in right in the top corner. I mean, it was, it was almost as if he, you know, it was on a string. He, he put it exactly where he wanted to. And he's, it's almost like he's feeling really just so confident about his ability to do that right now. He's, because his free kick game has gotten so much better. Sure. And the other thing, too, is just, you know, you know, in Madrid, they were just talking about that it was the defender's fault for ducking, and that's why the goal came, you know? Right, yeah, and, we were talking about this. Yeah, you know, this happened in a split second. And, you know, when someone throws a ball at you, your first reaction is not to put your face into it. <laughs> you know, that's not. You're going to duck. That takes training. Yeah, exactly. You're going to duck. And like, like you said, there was an acute angle, and you made it because of the power that he put on it, and obviously the accuracy, and the way he hit the post, and it pinged in. I mean, it was a, it's just beautiful just pure artistry yeah so is there anything else that we want to touch on with the Villarreal match well I'll, I'll one more thing I'll just tell you that you know Suarez's goal on that 94th minute basically with the technique that he was able to do that volley is incredibly tough I mean we've seen we've talked about his hand passing and his shooting on you know normal kind of striker duties but then he comes up with these brilliant strikes you know and with this left-handed volley you know left-footed volley that he did the timing of it the technique that he did it it was it was brilliant. It was just like street ball again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's next on the agenda? We have questions. Right. So there are a couple here. I know for sure there are some people here to listen and watch this event because I know you all. <laughs> but uh, who else is here for the Barca Talk Live show? Welcome, welcome. <laughs> so we did. We thought we would uh, experiment with something that we don't normally have the opportunity to do, since we do this, uh, you know, remotely from our respective studios usually. But uh, are there any questions that anyone has, or topics they would yeah. like to discuss? Oh yeah. All right. So we have a question, and this is perfect because this is going to be coming from Jose. He's the president of the LA Pena, and he's been a, a wonderful. New friend <laughs> helped us get into the game last night. So, wh- what do you got, Jose? Uh, first of all, thank you for having you know for having me over here and I uh, meet you guys and obviously I consider you guys also friends now. And uh, my question is, where do you uh, think Sergio Roberto fits well? Of course, of course he does. What do you, what do you mean? <laughs> How could he not? <laughs> well, I mean, we talk about this right because you know, we, for example, with Semedo. Messi has no confidence playing with him on that right side. And there's a vast difference when Sergio Roberto is in. Messi will go onto the right side. And so that, for me, is where he's going to get more playing time because he can play the right back, and Messi has confidence playing with him. I prefer Semedo just because he's more physical and faster, and I think that's you know, a good, you know, good skill set to have. But I, um, Messi doesn't like to play with Semedo. He just doesn't like to play. And when Semedo's there... That whole right side is ignored. So, right. But when Dembele's playing on the right side, Semedo gets plenty of action in terms of attacking. Right. So in that case, Semedo becomes preferred for right back. I mean, I think anyone who knows Sergio Roberto's game knows that he's not really a fullback. He's not really a defender. He's been getting better at it over the last few years, and he's at least become sort of reliable. Even his deficiencies are now reliable. And I think he knows that about himself as well. So 
you know, I have a crush on Sergio Roberto. I, <laughs> and the thing about him is that he fits just about anywhere. I think you can put him anywhere, and he'll do roughly the same job. It's not a great job, necessarily, <laughs> but, it's, but it's a decent job, and it's slightly above average, and it's, it's a good enough to, to keep getting him starts. And there are plenty of players who are not getting starts who maybe, you know, should. And there are plenty of players who are maybe only just slightly not as good as him who have been traded away. Yeah, definitely. When you brought up the Dembele point, you know, when Dembele's in the right side, we're a completely different team. So that's kind of, you know, an outlier for me. You know, it's more, you know, when Dembele is not there, the confidence that Messi has to play around that right side. And as I always, you know, I was pointing out to Jose last night, especially when Malcolm was in the game, how he was staying on the right side the whole time, and it spread Atletico thin, you know? And that is important to always have that person on the right. But when, for example, Roberto's playing, we totally negate that area. Messi's always going through the middle, and we're always heavy on the left side, so. Yeah, yeah, but I, I, I appreciate your question. <laughs> it's, all, it's one that I, like, don't want to hear, but I know that people have it because I'm like, uh, what would you call it? I'm, I'm, I'm a fanboy. For Sergio Roberto, although I have to admit I'm getting a little bit uh, cooler about it now. Or it's like, I don't know, maybe I'm outgrowing him. You know, kind of like with your teen idols, you know, eventually you get to an age where you take down the poster of JTT or, (laughs) you know, your teen heartthrobs. You know, maybe I'm not reading Tiger Beat as much. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's the thing is that, you know, there's so many games you know, that we play, that Tomato and Sergio Roberto are both going to get enough playing time. So it doesn't matter. We don't have to pick one, you know, but obviously for the bigger games, I think Sergio Roberto's going to get that nod. And the bigger question is, for Sergio Roberto, is wouldn't he be better in the midfield? And if he would, and I think he would, then how does he break into that midfield? Because it's a really crowded, uh, really crowded field in our squad. And he, even though, even in, in between Last season and this season, people were talking about how Samedo's going to be stepping more into right back. Sergio Roberto's going to get moved to midfield. And we've seen it once or twice, maybe three times this year. He's still, I wouldn't say stuck, but, you know, he's still playing that same position. He's not really finding the opportunity where I think his skills would pay off more for the team, which is in the midfield. But again, because he's competing with the likes of Rakitic, Busquets, Arthur, and apparently Vidal for some reason. Yeah. I mean, you know that, you know, especially in the closing minutes, he's going to go with Vidal. And again, like you said, it's a crowded midfield. I would like to see him get more playing time. But, you know, for me, it's the strongest is going to be Artur Busquets and Rakitic in the midfield. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Oh, and, and Jose already got his, uh, his package. He got a beverage cozy. He got a sticker. He got a magnet. So any, any other? Uh, yeah. My name is Paul from Los Angeles. Carson. Um, I just wanted to ask you guys, what do you guys think if we would get Griezmann next season? I am. I have to say immediately, I am not interested in getting Griezmann. I know he's a great striker. I know he's he's top level. Um, personally, I'm not terribly interested in picking him up. I think we need to be thinking about a replacement for Suarez. The club knows this. Suarez knows this. And I would be more interested rather in in spending more and bringing someone like of his caliber in and his notoriety in bringing in a younger you know more up-and-coming player that's just my personal preference i mean where does he fit and if he does come in what formation are we playing we know that we're always going to be more a 4-3-3 or 4-4-2 if anything 
And, I mean, who are you going to knock off? You know, Messi, no. Suarez, no. Dembele, no. You know, um, so again, he would be, he's a nice, it's almost like a nice addition for FIFA. You know, if you are doing FIFA, playing FIFA, you can add him on just because you can, right? But he already had the opportunity last year to come, and he didn't want to come. And I'm actually kind of thankful because, you know, I think he is a great player, but I don't think he fits into our style. And, you know, that's just me personally. Uh, you know, I like, I would rather go for Jokic, you know, the striker in Germany. I think that would be a good call for a Suarez replacement. But again, we, we have Malcolm still, and he's been showing that he's getting more confident under Valverde. He's the young. And of course, you know, the Griezmann topic will not die. Yeah, in Madrid, it's every day. Yeah, it's every day about, especially leading up to the Atletico match in the, uh, in the media, they were talking about, you know, if he was going to get whistled by the Camp Nou. Did they whistle last night? No, no one cared at all, right? And that's the thing. So, you know, I think, like I said, he's a great player. I just think he's more Atleti DNA than Barca. Yeah, I don't know what game you were watching, but they were whistling Griezmann a lot. Were they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know why? Because I was trying to calm Jose down last night. Because Jose was so nervous last night, and I was, just, you know, I was trying to make sure he was okay, you know? So... <laughs> Yeah, every time Griezmann got the ball, they were whistling at him. <laughs> Not counting, you know, of course, the opening lineups, you whistle at everyone on the opposing team. So, But even during the game, yeah, every time he touched the ball, it was whistles all around. That was one of the few times in the game when the crowd would get really animated, I thought. Because the whole game was really cool. I mean, we'll talk yeah. more about it, obviously, but... Yeah, it was a quiet game for the most part, and the crowd was, was generally pr- sure. pretty quiet, at least where we were, you know, at the, uh, the rim of the horizon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of the nosebleed section. Yeah, it was but, like we were watching from a blip. But we just met Paul last night. And but it was great. <laughs> yeah, we just met Paul last night, and it's your first time, right, in the Camp Nou and everything? So Awesome. Yeah, so he was telling me about his experience and leading up to that, so it was really cool to me because, you know, I take it for granted. I've been, you know, I live so close. I've been to many games now, but to see people who come for the first time is, is still kind of cool to see. So, yeah. So, well, speaking of players and positions of players, I'd like to bring in our uh, Barca B correspondent, Max Bloor, who did, who also came in. Did you guys ride the train together? Gabriel? No, he he came separately. You, came, you guys came separately. But yeah, we'd like to bring in Max. Max, welcome. Thank you very much. Yeah. Glad to be here. So you're our Barca B correspondent, uh-huh. and the, we have two questions for you today. The first one, and we might be able to get through both. <laughs> the, the first question is. Who in the B team right now do you see having potential to move to Barcelona's first team? Okay, so it's probably not that important what I think, but um, the, the club, the club is, um, there's some clear signals coming out of the club as to who they think is worth it. So there are three guys who have... Um, well, there are two guys, Miranda, the left-back, and Oriol Busquets, who's like Sergio Busquets' son, but not actually related, but same name, same position. And they look a little similar. They look, they look not unlike. Right. Uh, and they both have 200 million euro release clauses, which is, you know, big bucks. So the How big clip, is your release clause? Mine is a little bit less than that. Yeah, mine's zero. I mean, I've actually had some offers. That I've had people willing to pay 150 to take me away from Barca Talk. I've said no, you know, loyalty. You're, you're, you're so loyal. Kiss the badge. <laughs> Um, so the club clearly reckons they're onto a good thing with those two, and that uh, Oriol Busquets and Miranda are our first team material. And it makes sense because, like, we don't really have there is no cover for Sergio Busquets in the first team, and there's no real cover for Alba either. So true. And the couple of times that Miranda has gotten the uh, the nod for the first team and covered for Alba, it hasn't gone very well yet. Yeah, he but sucked. he is young. He was really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
But the club still reckons that he has the, the potential. Yes. Uh, Valverde, maybe not so much, as we've seen, because he completely banished him from the first team. It was really quite harsh, the way he just kind of... After that Copa del Rey game against, I think it was Le- Cultural Leon. Oh, yeah. When Leonesa. he was just Leonesa, when he was subbed at half time, we'd never seen him again. Right. <laughs> and he was just banished back to the B team. But I think people like Eric, Eric Abidal and kind of the, the directors of the academy have a good opinion of Miranda and think that if not next year, maybe the year after, he really could be making a few, a few first team appearances. So at this point, only two, but as far as so, we can tell. So, okay, so there's those two. There's also, of course, Ricky, Ricky Puig. Ah, yes who has a, a mere 100 million euro release clause. Um, but I So think maybe he, it's just related to body weight. Maybe. Because Ricky Pooch is this tiny little guy. He, He's brilliant he, on the ball. But you put him in against those first team, you know, those first tier sides of Ben's grown men, and they'll just knock him around. He looks like a child, yeah. like, generally. And even in his, in his kit looks too big for him. <laughs> and it's like his shirt's all baggy and his shorts are really long and he genuinely looks like a child playing in a man's kit and a man's game. <laughs> he borrowed his dad's kit. Quite possibly. Quite possibly. But yeah, so what, what else about amazing. Ricky? Yeah. He is amazing regardless of that. And he's, he, I shouldn't say this because it puts the pressure on the kid, but it reminds, it reminds everyone of Iniesta. Right. Everyone who sees him thinks Iniesta. The way he's kind of got twinkle toes and the way he can get out of really tight spaces and play the, play the final ball into the strikers, he's brilliant. He's Possibly the, the 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 pearl, as they say in Spanish, the the, the best prospect right. in in the cantera and the B team right now probably is Ricky Puig. And but they were saying that same thing about Carlos Alenia as well. They were making those comparisons to Iniesta. And just last night when we were at the game earlier on, you were suggesting you know we weren't getting any goals, even though Diego Costa had been ejected. And you turned to me and you said, you know what we should do? Put it in Carlos Delaney. He'll sort this right out. <laughs> and what happened? <laughs> well, Carlos Delaney well, it did come it out. on. It was, and it was sorted and out. And it was sorted out. There's a, we can talk about correlation versus causation. But, <laughs> but those were, that is a sequence Carlos of events Elena that Carlos came happened. on and about three minutes later we got the first goal. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, the, the other question for you about Barca B is the uh, likelihood of promotion. What are the chances? It looks a little grim at this it's point. It's looking, yeah. So I think, well, certainly before this round of fixtures this weekend, they were seventh, uh, about four points off the, the final playoffs place. And even, even if you get into the playoffs, it's quite difficult in Segunda Bay because you've got the top four get into playoffs. And then there are those... It's, it's, it's a really weird system. There's like two different sets of playoffs and unless you get into the top two, you have to win your first set of playoffs and then you win another set of playoffs. And there's like... There are... There's tons of groups all over the right. country. It's a so whole tournament. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's really, it's really, it's really difficult. So, so even... The, and it's difficult even for Barca to be to get into the playoffs in their group and then to win those playoffs would be all, not impossible but very, very difficult as well. Right, and so it's not it's not looking great, but that's fine because these are a bunch of kids. They're, they're 17, 18, 19 years old. They were play, They're all playing in the, or most of them were playing in the youth league last year. So I wasn't expected that they would get a promotion this year at all. And I thought this year in second they're play, playing playing as men, playing like actual football rather than kids football, will do them good. Yeah, I was, that you were just making me think about the fact that even though it's Segunda Bay, right? We know that the clubs in Segunda Bay are not as powerful right they aren't they don't have as much money or maybe they're reserve sides from other larger clubs which operate a little bit differently than ours they aren't necessarily as youth driven as ours is but in any case you're still playing against grown professional men and these are still kids so what is the competition in Segunda Bay like because you watch it regularly 
so that you can, you know, report right. for us. Yeah. And also so that Gabriel and I don't have to. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I mean, so what is it like to watch Segundabi that regularly? And what is the competition really like in that league? Um, well, you can certainly notice the difference between, obviously, but I mean, the, 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 quali- the, the, the gap in quality between Segunda Bay and even the second division, and let alone first division, is, is pretty large. Because they're, they're not professional players. I mean, some of them are, but a lot of them are just kind of people who are truck drivers and right. they work in schools and hospitals and whatever. Right, recreational teams. Yeah, yeah. So semi-pros, I think, they're right. a lot of them. So... Yeah, you can notice the difference. And then, what was the other part of your question? Oh, I was just asking about, well, what is it like to watch it? Yeah, it's... <laughs> yeah. Put it this way, I don't think I'd watch much if it weren't for this podcast. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's the, when you do it for your job or something like a job, I swear we're going to pay you one day. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have faith. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you know, when you're doing something on assignment, yeah, you uh, sometimes you have to just suffer through it. <laughs> But it is, it is enjoyable, at least watching Barca B is enjoyable, seeing these kind of, the, ki- the kids of the future, seeing people, say, say five years now, Ricky Puig is, you know, winning the Champions League with Barca, I feel quite something to have seen him on the way up. Right, and also, you know, the, fun, the great thing about Barca B is that their games are just about free. Right, they're on YouTube, yeah, they're streamed yeah. on YouTube. It's well, great. one, they're on YouTube, so you could watch them for free on YouTube, and also if you're in... Barcelona or wherever they're playing, you could probably just show up. And it's are, like a high school match. Yeah, no, no, they're, they're like a couple, couple euros. euros. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If you're an, I'm not, but if you're an, if you're a member of Barca, then they are free. Fantastic. You're a saucy. Yes. Well, being a member is, uh, ha- it has its privileges, but it also has its costs. Well, th- <laughs> thank you, Max. We really appreciate it. Let's get a thank round of applause for Max Bluer, our awesome. Barca B correspondent. Thank you kindly. Well, let's let's finish up, I guess, and close it out talking about our experience yesterday with the Atletico match we started early mainly with uh, mainly with a lot of beers we did we did I mean what time we start five four yeah about five o'clock we're we're having drinks in one venue then we walked closer to the Camp Nou and then we found another venue and by the time we got in we got had a chance to watch the team warm up so it was a, a good Good weather night, which is good, because we were all worried it was going to be raining. It didn't rain. Uh, we had some cold and some wind. But overall, it was a pretty good game day experience with the weather. And then there was the game itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the game itself, right? I mean, well, first thing, we got the result, right? So that's awesome. And we're one step closer to La Liga. But, you know, we got a couple talking points to talk about, right? Yes, a couple talking um, points. You know, obviously, the first thing, you know, with Diego Costa's red card, you know, we definitely had the advantage going forward. They had 10 men. But again, throughout the whole match, we did not look aggressive at all. We were in cr- complete cruise control, but for the wrong reasons, you know. We hadn't scored. We had some scoring chances, but again, it always goes back to my, my thesis always is the Ferrari, right? Like, right. And especially at halftime, right, because Diego Costa got ejected in the first half. Like in the halftime speech, what does he tell him? I mean, it didn't seem like he adjusted anything to go more aggressive. I mean, that's what you want to see, especially at home. This is the chance to get La Liga and really go forward with it and, and rest some players for Manchester United. And it didn't, you know, the goals didn't come to what, the 85th minute? Yeah, 80th or 85th. Um, but, but do you think that also knowing that Manchester United is coming soon, that there's still, the, whether Valverde is telling them this or not, whether that's in the back of their minds and they're trying to maybe get a result while also not... A, overexerting themselves, trying to save their energy a little bit for the Champions League. Because it's no secret that this year they have really made it 
a priority to do well in the Champions League and hopefully to win it. Yeah, definitely. But, when, you know, if anyone's played before, you know, when your team is a man up and you are distinctly better of an attacking talent, it's easy. Like, you're not really wasting that much energy. And, I mean, we really didn't have that much attacking. We were going side to side, as always, you mm-hmm. know. And So here's the question. Yeah. If we're a man up, which we were, uh-huh. and we're so better, which we are, mm-hmm. why couldn't we score earlier? Because Atletico put the bus there and the submarine and everything back there. I mean, Atletico is a really great defensive team. They're one of the best defensive teams in Europe, you know. And it's, it was going to be tough, right? But again, it's, it's all about, like, attitude and, and for me, just watching them. And the way, lackadaisically, like, Messi was always being triple covered, right? And so when that happens, you have the wings open, and we didn't expose that enough. Not until Malcolm came into the, you know, the second half. As always I said, whenever we have the right wing there, all of a sudden just opens everything up. And then you saw Suarez had the opening to take that shot for the goal. But that doesn't happen if we don't have the spacing on the right wing. Right. And, well, just as Max pointed out, the sequence of events was that Carlos Alenia came on. But also Malcolm <laughs> came on. And I think that had more to do with finally getting a goal. And, in fact, two goals. And it was... Easily the most exciting one minute of the game when we scored two goals suddenly. <laughs> but now, like you're, I take your point, right? Malcolm coming on definitely changed the complexion of the game finally. And it's something we had been waiting for, I think, for a little bit too. I think he came on, I forget exactly when Malcolm came on, but it seemed a little bit late. No, I mean, I mean, he still had time. I think I, there was definitely, I think, 20 minutes left in the game. But again, this kind of goes back to the same thing with the Coutinho problem. Because you know, for as expensive as he was for him to come, he still doesn't do anything. And it was, it proved my point last night just watching him live. I mean, he, he passes, he doesn't really do anything. He's out there. It's almost as though we're a man down as well because he's not bringing any teeth to the attack. He's not taking anyone 1v1. He's not shooting. And so, therefore, we're just playing, like, with, our, you know, one arm tied behind our back, essentially, with that position. Now, when he moved back to the midfield, you know, when Malcolm came in, you know, it was like those two things together, then we started having more attack. But again, Coutinho, man, it just how many, how many chances is he going to get and not do anything? Well, I think for his price tag, he's going to get a lot more chances. That's, that seems to be the way it's going with Coutinho. And actually, during the game, Max asked me, what do you think, you know, next, would you sell Coutinho in, in between, like next summer? Would you sell Coutinho? Yes. And how much, what's, what's the least you would take for it? No, I mean, just take him. Just I take him. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, he's going to be expensive. But, like, let me ask you this. Like, like, you know, we've been talking about the Sergio Roberto thing. Now, if we put Sergio Roberto instead of Coutinho up there, Semedo back there, are we, do we have more teeth in our attack? We have better possession. We have more tiki-taka passing, right? Just like that. But Coutinho just always does the same move, the inside move, passing to the side, and then he's invisible, right? I mean, he's there. We signed him because he was... A, a midfielder that was a goal scorer, you know, and he just hasn't done that. How many goals has he scored this year? Not many. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and one, <laughs> the last, the, the last bad. one was against Villarreal when it was a tap-in. You know, his goals have been just tap-ins because he's been in the right spot, but for the most part, he hasn't really set anything up and he hasn't been dynamic enough. He's still playing cautious, you know, and I understand because maybe Valverde is not putting him in the correct position, but at the same time, you got to understand, Valverde's got to understand, like, put... Sergio Roberto in there. Put Alenia up there. Give us something else. Try it, you know, and then do your own test results, you know? <laughs> right, right. See what happens. The other thing with uh, Coutinho that I've noticed is that he, he gives up on his runs really easily. You know, he'll start a run, but if 
he doesn't. He only will make a run if he thinks he might get the ball, and then when it turns out that he's not going to get the ball, he gives up on it. Whereas a lot of players in that same position out on the wing, they would make the run not in order to receive the ball necessarily, but in order to open up space. And they might also get the ball if they were to continue the run. But he seems to give up, I think, a little bit early on his runs, whether they be down the flank or whether they be into the box. He seems to give up on them a little too easily. Yeah, I mean, and the other thing, too, he never goes to the touchline. Never. Never. At all. And, like, I, I was pointing to Jose yesterday. When Malcolm came into the match, how many times did he go to the touchline just to even spread that defense out and then bring it back around, right? Because that gives you the space. But with Coutinho, he's just, not only is his body language awful, like, you just watched last night, you're just kind of moping around, making the pass and not really doing anything. But, again, it's like we were playing 10v10 last night with him in the lineup. Right, right. So it was even. Yeah, so. exactly. That's why there was no goals. Right, right. Yeah, that's the real answer. <laughs> because Coutinho. Yeah. But then Malcolm comes on. And uh, he didn't come on for Coutinho, no. did he? No. no. But he came on. Someone ultimately did come on for Coutinho. But in any case, well, the way I would summarize this game was it was 80 minutes of waiting and one minute of glory and then a few more minutes of waiting. <laughs> right? Because we scored two goals in literally 60 seconds. like Almost right off the kickoff from Suarez's goal, Messi scores. Sure. I like that. 80 minutes of waiting. Yeah. One minute of glory. La Liga, done, right? Right. But again, when Malcolm came in, like I said, I, we've, we've, we both like him. He does things properly. He's dynamic. He always is looking to score. The way his runs are, he's always headed towards goal looking for a rebound or just having that presence. And when you play defense and you see a, an attacker like that that's always running and going past you, you have to be aware of even more, right? And so you can just see, with him not even getting the ball that much at the beginning, just him spreading that out all of a sudden opened things up. And, of course, Suarez got that opening because he was at the top of the box because the middle was a little bit open. And, of course, Suarez had a brilliant shot. I mean, that shot was... It wasn't the hardest t- taken shot I've ever seen, but the accuracy on it was just amazing. Yeah, and I think at the moment that he was going to take it, we had, at this point in the game, we had seen a number of chances that didn't quite work out or they weren't very good. And, you know, Oblak is a good goalkeeper, so he made a couple of saves on some shots. We've seen, you know, other chances that the creation was good, but the finishing wasn't. And I think in this moment, I, I was thinking, oh, this is going to go wide. It's the moment it left his boot, I thought, we're not scoring on here. And some, the fact that it went in shocked me. It really did shock me. When you look on, a, look on the, uh, the replay, from certain angles, it really does look like it's going to go wide. And there's this swerve, this kind of late swerve in the ball that gets it just to creep into the goal. Exactly, and Oblak was like millimeters away from making the save. You know, that's how great that shot was, especially if you watch it on YouTube, the different angles, especially from, you know, from behind Suarez. You can see that Thomas Partey almost has his foot out there, and he curves it around it to, you know, just get past Oblak, which is another feat in itself because Oblak is a top-three goalkeeper in Europe for sure. Yeah, and then they, uh, you know, they take the ball, they put it back in the center, they kick off. Next thing you know, Messi scores. And this was, among Messi goals, one of the better ones, I thought. I mean, first of all, there was a little bit of doubt because he was almost offsides. If you look on the replay, there was a little bit of doubt on offsides, but they didn't call it, obviously, with his run. To pick his moments, right? Because he kind of was cruising, walking a little bit, just picking his moments, right? 
but in that moment, he was able to sprint, outrun the defense, and then calmly, you know, right? He just does that feign move where you don't know if he's going to shoot, and then he just passes it, and he just slots it. It's just, you know, if anyone's played, that is such a difficult thing to do because you're always just trying to hit it as hard as you can. Like, that is the first instinct if you're a striker. You're just, I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. If I'm good enough, I'm going to aim it. But on a 1v1 <laughs> like that, you're just hoping to get the strike off, right? But he had, especially he had people sliding in to the left, another one coming to the right, and he just stops, faints, slots, boom, done. I mean. Well, if I were him, and I'm not, but if, <laughs> but I'm just saying, once, when you've scored as many goals as Messi has scored, you know, maybe you get to that point in your career where you're trying to, you know, do something new, do something different, try it another way. Like, maybe all I need to do is just pass it into the goal. He's, I mean, he's at that level where he has scored so much. You know, he's not trying to make the most out of few opportunities. He's almost, he's trying to make the best out of many opportunities. Definitely. I mean, just think about, like, nice you know, the, 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 yeah. <laughs> just think of the best strikers in La Liga, for example, right? Now, they're all pretty good, yeah, but they're all pretty good, but they don't have these moments like him where he can just, he just knows angles so well, how to always, like we always say, talk, you know, he sees in colors, this type of thing, right? And just to be able to always know where the keeper is and not overforce the ball is such a hard thing to do as a striker because, you know, you're coded just to kind of kick as hard as you can and hope for the top angles, right? That's really what you're doing, but he's always... He knows that Oblak's weight is to the right, and then he'll just slot it back to the left. And it's just a very simple thing when you look at it, but it's super difficult to execute. Right, yeah. And it would be impossible for either of us to execute. But for him, it's just, you know, uh, an extension of his, his creativity, his, his artistry as a, as a player. <laughs> yeah, he's not, he's not just like, oh, I have a chance. I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. He's like, oh, I've been here before. Yeah. What could I do that's interesting? <laughs> well, I mean, if you ever go on his YouTube, you know, the you know, top 100 goals or whatnot, he has the patented move where he goes across the box and slots it to the, to the left corner. It's not even really a shot. It's like a hard-guided pass. But that used to, he used to do that all the time early in his career because before he had the, they had the playbook on him, right? And that is such a hard thing. Like I said, as a left footer, that's the perfect angle. You always want to come in on the box. But I'm always thinking when I used to play, like I'm gonna kick the sh- I'm gonna kick the hell out of the ball, <laughs> and hope that it goes in, right? I mean, you know, I thought I was good enough, and but Messi just slots it. You know, that's just a thing that you know where everything slows down for him because you know when you're one v one in that moment trying to score a goal, especially as a striker, that is your only responsibility essentially, right? That is what people measure you if you're good or not. And again, like last night, just the way he slots. If you watch it on the replay last night, Old Black keeps going to the right and then he and then he just looks and it's like an ole like it's right. just done right now moving looking ahead unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on about the atletico match no, no. I think that's good. okay so looking ahead like i said the uh, the crowd was chanting singing campeones campeones right and we we know that the likelihood because there are seven matches remaining in la liga we know the likelihood of Atletico Madrid now overtaking us at the top top of the league is very low, right? The very low likelihood. Although, you know, mathematically there's still a chance that something if, if we get just a, a couple of draws and if they keep winning, we could get overtaken by Atletico. Um, so I'm going to run a, some numbers while you talk about what the likelihood of that is in your mind. I think it's very low, right? Very because, low. yeah, the way Atletico plays, they 
pretty much have to play perfect games to win matches just because, you know, Simeone is even more conservative than Valverde. And, you know, they have a diff more difficult road. They're playing against Sevilla and some other teams away. So they have a more difficult road to get all those maximum points. So it's going to be more difficult for them. Again, I think it's a great ch chance for us because, you know, as Champions League is our one of our goals this season, Valverde will have the opportunity to manage those minutes a little bit more, especially knowing we have 10 points in our back pocket. Right. Well, it's uh, 11 now, isn't Le it? 11 points. Yeah. yeah. So we do have 11 points on them. And you're right. We have a much easier schedule of... I don't, I'm not going to say these in order, but I know that we're going to be... We still have Eibar, we have Huesca, we have Real Sociedad, Alaves. The very last match of the year is against Valencia, but by that point, it will almost certainly be decided. So by the time we get there, it won't matter. I, win or lose, I think I, like, I doubt it's going to come down to that last match. So we do sure. have a much easier schedule ahead sure. of us in La Liga, so now we can really focus our attentions on the Champions League. Exactly. So, what say you about that for this week? I mean, how are you feeling? What do you think, you know, what's going to be our lineup? Obviously, what is your preferred lineup going into the, the match against Manchester United? Sergio Roberto. Sergio Roberto. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Honestly, um, since Semedo came in later in this game, I would hope to see Semedo start uh, against Manchester United. Of course, Ter Sagan in goal, Piquet and Longley. And, of course, Jordi Alba, because we have no other choice at left back. <laughs> and he's great. Yeah. And I'm, I'm expecting a midfield. I'm hoping for a midfield of Busquets, Rakitic, Arthur. I think that particular midfield is working out really well. And I'm actually not aware of where Dembele is on, in terms of the re re returning from injury thing. I think some hopeful people have said that he might be back for this first leg. But I don't think he's going to be back. So we're going to be looking at... Probably Suarez, Messi, Coutinho. Although Suarez, Messi, Malcolm, I think is a he again. He made a good case for himself Saturday. Malcolm did to to, sure. to get in there rather than Coutinho. Sure. I, you know the other thing too. I want to see Arthur play a full game. I know. You know. I, I don't understand this thing of you know he's not injured. I mean he was injured, but it's already been a couple of weeks since that injury from when he came back. And I just want to see him play a full match, you know, and he's been subbed out every time around the 70th minute, you know, and there's a notable difference when he does come out, right? He helps possess the ball and he's really good at that. And that helps us, you know, not have as many counters, you know, and that's really key because Manchester United is fast, obviously, right? Then we know that the way they play, they're going to be more counter, but obviously technically they're not as good as, as Barcelona with the stopping and passing. So, you know, I think we should be okay. I think for Dembele, they should rest him for this game because well, I'd rather have him in the long haul of the Champions League because he's such a special player. Now, I, I really hope, you know, that we get a good cushion so it's not going to be nail-biting time for the second leg against Manchester United. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> now, I, I have to admit, I don't, watch, I don't watch Manchester United much, so I don't really know, but I assume that they're probably a, a more physical team than we are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, they, obviously they have Pogba there and, you know, Lukaku's up there too as well. Marshall, Rashford, these type of players. But again... So you know what that means. <laughs> it means Vidal's going to start. Oh, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I, I, just, I don't think this type of game calls for it. I think we'll be able to have so much more possession, especially in the first leg, just because that's how we do it. And, you know, again, I think their counter is dangerous, but 
Again, I'm, I would be more scared of Lyon than, than Manchester United, I think. I don't know. I just I think Manchester United is very overrated this year. Right. Well, but they have a counter, and that's part of their game. And we've fallen victim in certain situations, particularly if we're uh, encountering a lot of resistance, a lot of defense, to you know push more players up, and then we become really susceptible to a counter and getting scored on. So that could cause problems for us in this first leg. And they also have the best goalkeeper in the world, remember? Right, they have the best goalkeeper in the world. <laughs> so that's going to be a problem for us, right? We hey, don't. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, again, I think we'll, we'll definitely have a lot of opportunities against them. Um, you know, lately they haven't been playing that well. I know they've lost to Wolves a couple times. Um, they've just been really inconsistent, and that's been the story of their season when it started off with Mourinho and now with Solskjaer. You know, he won four games in a row, and they gave him a contract extension. It's, it's insane. That's <laughs> all it takes. Yeah, yeah. Four, it's just like Solari. Remember, like with Solari, wins you know. four games, here's your new contract, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Solskjaer, you know, he, he was at the game last night watching. I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I don't think you're going to get That's that funny. much watching. I didn't watching. see him there. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't see him in the nosebleed section? No, I didn't no, see no, him no, up okay. there. <laughs> so he was there scouting, you know, so we'll see. I, I mean, again... Uh, he doesn't scare me as a manager as coming up something, you know, revolutionary against Barcelona. And also the players don't really scare me. I mean, they're a good team. Don't get me wrong. There's the champions. But I think we are so focused this season on champions that we're not going to let it slip away. No. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and I, like you, I would prefer if we get some cushion, we get a lead in that first leg and not have to bite our nails in the second leg. Although history would seem to... Uh... <laughs> imply that we might have to deal with that. That, For some reason, that seems to be the way that uh, Valverde is dealing with these tournaments, is to maybe go even more conservative in the first leg and even take a hit, but just try and make it not too bad, and then come back harder in the second leg. Again, I don't, I don't like this philosophy. I mean, it's, it's just easier just to go and go after it, especially at home, you know? Like, we, their defense is not that good. I mean, Ashley Young as a defender, this guy is so not good and he is <laughs> he is reckless you know and right. and for him to deal with Suarez and Messi you know I think we're going to have a field day with shot opportunities now it depends if they go four back with a you know defensive mid then that's going to be difficult because they're going to have five back there defending but again I just think that we should come away with like a two nothing victory right right okay I want to I want to finish this show with uh, a question for you because uh, you're wearing an FC Barcelona T-shirt that you just got yesterday. Yes. And we were talking yesterday about how you don't wear jerseys. Yes. Megan and I were both wearing our jerseys, and you don't wear jerseys. That's not your thing, which is fine. But I'm just wondering, what's the uh, what's the what's going through your mind there? No, I don't know. I just I just prefer T-shirts. I just feel like I can use them more often, and I only have one jersey, and it's a. It's a 49er football jersey that my friend gave to me before I moved here to Spain as a gift. And I, I've worn it one time. Right. You know, again, the Super Bowl when the Niners lost to the Ravens, and then I threw it away. And no, I'm just kidding. I right. throw it away. Well, and also, since you live in Madrid, if, yeah. you know, you can wear a 49ers jersey around Madrid, and you won't get uh, hassled. That is true. That is true. But also, you know, with the Barcelona jersey, you don't get hassled in Madrid. Madrid fans are soft. It's oh, yeah. That. <laughs> All right. So speaking of showing one spirit for, for the club... Do you have a, a favorite Barcelona chant? No, not really. I mean, I, the What's thing the is... What's one that I, you like? Well, I mean, <laughs> this is the thing. You know, like last night, for example, was just my fourth game. 
right? right. And I was, we were, I was talking with Jose because I was, I'm always curious about the Pena experience. You don't just stream Barcelona chants on no, like your no, no, no. Spotify. I don't have it on my Spotify list. No, 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 no. it's not on there. But interesting. Uh, I'm always curious because when I'm in Madrid watching the games, I'm usually watching it by myself, right? I don't have any other Barcelona fans that I watch the game with. I usually drag a friend of mine, and it's only because they want to have some beers, right? right? And they don't really care. So I'm always curious of the Pena experience because I miss that. You know, I miss um, when I was in San Francisco watching games with other people who have the common team, right? And so he was telling me their experience, that they do the chants and all this stuff throughout the game, and I think that's really cool. So I think a better question to ask would be our friend Jose. What's his favorite yeah, chant? Jose, because what's your favorite chant? He's, it was, he, last night he was on fire. Because like, like we were on opposite ends uh, well, of, see, of our group. So it was, so two, it was twofold it. last night. I had to comfort him through his... <laughs> Through his nervousness of the match, but at the same time, uh, he was—he had every chant down last yeah. night. So I think he's a better person to ask about his favorite chant. What is it? Just go ahead and start it. <laughs> uh, well, one of my favorite uh, chants is uh, "Un día de partido" because uh, it brings pretty much all the uh, the, uh, the bar that we get together. It brings all the people, like you know, clapping, and once we start doing the "Ale, ale, ale," that's when everybody jump in, start. <laughs> Moving scarves, flags, and that to me, that's the favorite one. So, how does that one go? <laughs> You're gonna put me in the spot with the Catalan? I, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> not tonight, not tonight. Give me a couple more beers and probably I'll do it. <laughs> All right. I was going to try and see if I could get this room chanting, but I don't think no, that's going to... I don't think so. I don't think, you know, this exactly. is a very cool group of, yes. of a dozen people. <laughs> <laughs> but the other thing he was telling me, too, they have drums. At the games, that they that they pound drums and stuff. So I think that's really cool. That's like, perfect for you because you played drums. For I used three to years. play drums for three years and I quit because I'm a quitter. But yeah. <laughs> um, this is the thing: is that you'll see when we watch the match on Tuesday in Madrid, just the environment, how it's totally different. You know, the vibe of the city here. When we were walking to the stadium, seeing all the people, all the kids and, and Barca kits, right? Like for me, that's awesome, right? Because I never see that in Madrid. And you'll see when we watch the match on Tuesday, we're going to be the only ones watching the match at this bar. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Well, at least it'll be, it'll be like home, it will. <laughs> where I watch the game all by myself on my couch. Except in TV with Kanye's. Right, right. <laughs> all right, well, thanks, everyone, for coming out to the Red Garter. Yeah. For, this, this has been fun, man. This has been fun. It's been uh, interesting and educational. <laughs> <laughs> all right, thanks, everyone. <laughs> Special thanks to Max Bluer this week. This has been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing and music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Gabriel Quiroga. Remember, we can't make this show without you, the listeners. To see the premiums you get with a monthly contribution of support, follow the link to Patreon in the episode description. Visca Barca! Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.